0: people said, grab your Bible, remain standing for just a moment, remain standing for just a moment. turn with me to Second Timothy. Second Timothy, uh, we're going to, to finish try to finish what we started last week. We may go one more message in this but Second uh, Timothy chapter number three. 2 Timothy chapter number three, thank you. If there was ever anything anybody needed to be sure of is it their sal- their salvation. That they're saved Uh, Last week we we talked about this subject Anytime you deal with assurance of salvation Anytime we deal with the subject of making sure you're saved You always run the risk of causing people that are truly saved To doubt their salvation And I don't ever want to do that I don't ever want to cause somebody who is genuinely saved To doubt their salvation I want to enhance their faith and build their faith And strengthen their faith That is why we covered what we covered last week first, because if you're truly saved, I want you to know it, and I want you to be assured of it and have confidence and peace in that fact if you are genuinely saved. And so we covered that last week. Well, this week, uh, we are going to do the opposite. Instead of covering the assurance of salvation for those who are truly saved, I want to deal with the deception in those who are lost, but they think they're saved. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid that this is an epidemic in the American church uh, because of various reasons that we'll discuss here in a moment. But I need your prayer today. I I, I hope you understand that this is a heavy subject. Uh, This is a subject that the demons and every devil in hell is going to try to fight. Because the greatest weapon, the greatest weapon that the devil has against people is deception. And so, I want you to know. I don't want you to come and think and, and spend 15 years or 20 years attending Temple Baptist Church and end up in hell. I want you to know. I want you to know. I'm not here to offend anybody. I'm not here to, to scare anybody. I'm here to preach the truth. And I'm, I, your, your opinion about things is irrelevant. Everything I'm going to share with you is going to come from Scripture. And so, to be sure, uh, I'm not going to base anything that I say today on how I feel about something or what I think about something. I'm going to share you what God's Word says about it, and then you make the determination in your own heart. And all of God's people say it. Let's read in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, in verse number 1. If you there, say Amen. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, but worst worst of all. Now that list we just named is pretty bad, but this is the scariest one of them all. Read it with me, verse number five. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Let's read that again. Having a form of godliness, But denying the power thereof, from such turn away. The word denying means contradicting or or rejecting the power. In other words, there is a form, but there is nothing in it. There is no substance. There is an appearance, if you will, an appearance of godliness. There is an outward show of godliness, but not an inward dwelling. And so that's what we want to talk about today. Religious. Religious, but lost. Religious but lost. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity and I thank you for the great crowd that's here this morning. Lord, I am, I am nervous. I, 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 I am fearful in this place. I pray that you will help me to speak with fear and trembling. I pray that I will speak in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in my own opinions, not in my own thoughts or my own feelings. But every word will come from the Holy Spirit through His, his holy Word. I pray that your perfect will be done today. God will thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said. You may be seated. Since we have begun our DMD ministry, Disciples Making Disciples, we hold each other accountable for witnessing and sharing the gospel, sharing our faith and inviting others to uh, to the church and, and I have exponentially, exponentially stepped up my efforts in inviting and, and witnessing and sharing uh, with people. And, and since that has happened, I, and I'm talking about every day, everywhere I go, every person that I run into, uh, no one is immune to this. I want to talk to them about God's house. I want to talk to them about salvation. I want to talk to them and witness to them. And, and the first question I ask is, is, do you get to go to church anywhere? And, and matter of fact, just the other day, uh, I went into the store and got a cold drink and I got to the counter and I said, I said, I said, I said ma'am, are, are you a Christian? Do you know Christ? Do you get to go to church anywhere? And, 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 and she said, Reverend, we just had this conversation three days ago. <laughs> That's what happens when you have a bad memory. Amen. I just want to make sure I got them. Amen. I thought she looked familiar, but I wasn't going to take no chances. Amen. And, and it seems to me that every time that I talk to somebody from the, from the very beginning till now, I, I mean over and over and over, multiple, multiple times a day, I have not run into one single person who wasn't a Christian. Whether they went to church or not, whether there was any evidence in their, in their life or not, or anything, everybody is a Christian. We live in the Bible Belt. We live in a place where it is saturated with church and churchy things and religion, a church on every corner. So there are, nobody's lost. Nobody's unconverted. Everybody, everybody thinks they're saved. And it's amazing that when you run into someone that I believe is genuinely saved, there's something that connects in them. It's like a magnet. The same spirit that's in me is in them. And I can always tell, I mean, I mean, I'm not psychic and I'm not God, but, but there is a, there's a genuine connection when I run into somebody and say, are you a Christian? Automatically, they throw a smile on their face and they say, yes, amen, I'm a Christian. Yeah. They may not get as excited as I do, but there's something that connects. Right. But when they just say, yeah, just so you will leave them alone, something's wrong. Yeah. And the point I'm making is this. If everybody says they're a Christian and everybody you talk to claims to be uh, born again and saved, then, then, then what, what does the Bible say about the narrow way? Yeah. Wide is the gate that leadeth unto destruction. Narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. And few there be that find. Then somebody is deceived. Right. 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 And this is the worst place. Listen, and when I say the worst, I'm talking about in the Bible Belt. But we find that this is not an unusual this is not an unusual thing because in Isaiah 29, 13, it says, Wherefore the Lord said, for as much as his people draw near to me with their mouth and with their lips, they do honor me, but have removed their, their heart far from me. They may say one thing with their mouth, but their heart is saying something else. Matthew 23 27 deals with the religious but laws. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchers. In other words, these, these fancy marble graves, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are full of dead men's bones on the inside and all uncleanliness. He says, even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Titus, Paul writes to Titus and he confirms this same issue and problem. He said, under the pure, all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. Now watch this now. They profess that they know God, but in works, they deny him being abominable and disobedient under every good work reprobate means useless. They profess that they know God, but in works, they deny him. Their mouth is saying something different than their body and actions are doing. I hope you understand a profession is not going to get you in. Now, this is is something that we we need to really look at. Uh, I, I, am, I am afraid I, I, I have had different evangelists and, and different people through my years growing up that, that declared and, and, and had numbers and, and percentages what they believed, how many uh, lost people are truly sitting in churches every single week. And I'm not going to venture to do that, but I will say this. There are a lot of people that are sitting in churches every week that is religious but lost. They profess that they know him, but in works deny him. They profess with their mouth and flatter God with their mouth, but their heart is far from Him. Now, how do we get in that kind of condition? How do we get in that kind of shape? How, what causes deception? How can a person be, be truly lost but thinking they're saved? Well, let me give you a few things that, that I believe the Word teaches us. How can this happen? What are the causes of deception? One of the most predominant, and I believe probably probably the, the, the largest percentage, is this. A, if you're taking notes, write this down. A forged righteousness. A forged righteousness. What does that mean? In Romans chapter number 10, verse 1, he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. So if he's praying for them to get saved, what does that mean? They are Everybody say it. They are. But watch what it says. He says, but I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. He's saying they're lost, but they are religious. It's not that they didn't go to the temple. It's not that they didn't do religious stuff. It's not that they didn't have a desire to make God happy, but they were lost. He said, I'm praying that they get saved. Now, what is the cause? Watch this. This is huge. This is huge. Verse number three. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. What does that mean? They forged it. They forged it. They didn't know the God of the Bible. They didn't. They didn't worship the God of the Bible, the truth of the scriptures. And we have people in this world today, especially in our country, who've created a Jesus of their own liking, a God of their own liking. That's how they can ordain homosexuals. That's how they can portray and live a lifestyle that's opposite of God's word. That's how they can shack up. Shack up, not marry, commit fornication, commit adultery, and still go to church and sing, Oh, I love Jesus, because they've created a Jesus in their mind, not the Jesus of the Bible. And, and listen, uh, we say, Well, I feel that God is like this. I feel like God is okay with this. Well, honey, your, your feelings are irrelevant. What does the Bible say? And we've conformed, the now here's the problem. We've conformed our Bible to our lifestyle when we should have conformed our lifestyle to the Bible. Preacher, you're just too narrow-minded. You're just too narrow-minded. You need to get up with the time. I'm about that narrow right there. You can't create the God of your liking. You cannot do that. But that's what was happening. They, were, they had formed their own righteousness, their own sense of morality, their own sense of righteousness. But listen, we will not be judged by our own. We will not be judged by what we think. We will not be judged by what we feel. We're gonna stand before a judge one day and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ and he's gonna judge your life according to his word. Yeah. Amen. And today we're living in a world where people do what they feel and think God is okay with it, and claim that God is okay with it. That's how you can have what you have today with this person on the uh, uh, this, this whatever show this is, where you uh, uh, pick out pick out a a, a, a person. That you got what it, bachelorette? Is that what it's called? Yeah. I don't know why you'd watch the Foolish junk, anyways. Yeah. If I'm in competition with somebody to get a girl, I don't want her. But that's, that ain't even in the message. I just slipped that in. <laughs> if I'm one of the multiple choice, take me out. Yeah. Anyway, I can do this. I, I, I read. I read. Oh, that I, I'm forgiven. It doesn't matter how I live, what I do. Nobody can judge me. What has happened? She's created her own set of righteous rules. And that's caused people to be deceived. They're righteous according to their own rule book. Do y'all understand where I'm going with this? And they're deceived because of a forged righteousness. A forged righteousness. One they've created on their own. But then here's 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 a serious problem. Here's another cause of deception. Not a forged righteousness, but just a familiarity with... Religious things. A familiarity. What do you mean? 1 Samuel 3, 1. And the child Samuel, this is talking about the young man Samuel, who grew up in the church. He grew up in the temple. When he was weaned, his mother brought him to the temple and dedicated him to the Lord. And so he grew up in the church and he served God. Look what it says. And the child ministered unto the Lord. What does it mean? He's working in the church. He's serving in the temple, okay? He is working for God. What does that mean? He knew a lot of stuff about God. He, know, he knew what to do for God. Are we, we, he grew up in the church. Now watch, watch. I'm going to skip on down to save some time. But we know that God called him. But watch what it says in verse 7. The last verse. In verse 1 Samuel ministered unto the Lord. But in verse 7 it said Samuel did not yet know He did not yet know the Lord. He was very familiar with the Lord. He knew a lot about the Lord, but he didn't know the Lord. He didn't have a personal relationship with the Lord. He didn't have an understanding, a connection. What, what, what What does this have to do with us today? It scares me to death when I see people come into temple. And, and 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 basically have no church background, and enjoy what's happening, and enjoy the music, and enjoy the atmosphere, enjoy the fellowship, enjoy the camaraderie, and all that goes along with this, and just kind of slides in and starts taking part, and starts getting involved, and getting connected. But they never make a decision for Christ. They never come and experience a a a a a. a born-again experience, and they never get to know, but they're familiar with everything, and they like it. And they think because I go to church, and because I do stuff at church, and because I like the church, I'm saved. And there's a familiarity. I was in that group. You could ask me anything you wanted to ask me. I could probably answer it. I could quote you as many verses until you wanted me to stop. I wore a suit and I carried a Bible and I was very familiar with all the stuff of the Bible. Sometimes I had, as a little kid, I had to help my Sunday school teacher out because I went to a redneck church and nobody had any seminary experience. And whoever taught Sunday school was whoever you could get to do it. Preacher, what are you saying? I was very familiar. I was like Samuel. Matter of fact, matter of fact, let me just say this. I had the verses, I had the religion, I could speak the language, I wore the suit and liked it. But I was lost. Because familiarity with godly things doesn't save you. And if you just kind of slid in and liked what's happening and got involved and, and you thinking that's going to get it, you might want to check up. Familiarity. See, here's a dangerous one, a false assurance, a false assurance. Why would someone have a false assurance? Because of what someone told them about salvation. Maybe as a child, maybe as a a younger person, someone told you, rushed you into a, a, a prayer and Rushing a person through with no conviction or work of the Holy Spirit. No brokenness over sin. No change whatsoever. Listen, I have been with people who were supposedly soul winning. And they said, let me show you how to do it. And they went through and said, "Got just basically just got somebody to repeat a prayer. And most of the time that I was with people like that, the only reason they prayed the prayer is so you'd leave them alone. And after they got through praying the prayer, this is what they did. They made them write their name in their Bible, write the date beside their Bible. And then they said this right here. They said, now never, ever question uh, whether you're saved. Just go back to this time right here. Terrible. 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 And, and listen, this happens over and over and over again. No change whatsoever. No desire for holiness. No desire for a relationship with Christ. No desire to be in God's church and fellowship with God's people. Yet they go back to that Bible with that date and that name because they were told never to question your salvation. That again is something unbiblical. And I will show you with the next point. I learned a lot of stuff this week. And I hope hope you you can glean from this. What's the last one before we get into what we need to do? First, there's a forged righteousness, a familiarity with things of God. There's a false assurance because of maybe what someone told them. But then there's a failure to examine. A failure to examine. This is is where where I, 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 I... this just blew my mind because I've heard evangelists and, and different people say, never question your salvation. Never question your salvation. Never question, never question, never question. Go back to this, never question. Well, that's nowhere found in scripture. But everywhere you find, be sure. Examine whether you be in the faith. Are y'all with me? Let me me just give you something. Let me just give you something so you know I'm not lying. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves, whether ye be... Now, he's speaking to the Corinthian church who Paul started, who have been... Listen, this church has been in existence for years and years, and Paul is telling people, make sure. Examine your faith. 2 Peter 1, 10. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence... Give diligence. That means do it with great urgency. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Psalms 26.2, examine me, O Lord, prove me, try my reins in my heart. Psalm 139.23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lamentations 3.40, let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Haggai 1.5, now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. He says, Check. Look, examine. I believe a lot of people are deceived because they fail to examine their lives. Do you realize, do you realize that according uh, to Corinthians and, and the Apostle Paul, that God has given us the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, to give us an opportunity to take a... Come on. To take a... Examination. Isn't that amazing? You've been told all your life never question, never, no, don't even go. But in God's Word, it says over and over examine yourself, be sure, make sure, make your calling and election sure. Be diligent to do this. Amen. Well, preacher, if we just do this, it's going to cause doubt. This is what God showed me this week. This is what God showed me this week. This should never cause doubt. This should cause even more reassurance that you're in. Yeah. But you know what we do? We don't check. Do you know? Do you know who do who do not? Do you know who doesn't want to go to the doctor? Most of the time, men. Do you know there are men that die every year when they could have had a a, a preventable. A, a preventable procedure done to save their lives, but they die because they won't go to the doctor. And most of the times, we won't go to the doctor because we know what we're going to hear. And most of the time people don't want to examine their life. They don't want to examine their faith. They don't want to examine and really put their life under the microscope of God so that God could show them where they're truly at because they don't want to hear the truth. It's easier for me just to keep going to church. It's easier for me just to keep singing Amazing Grace and try to feel better about myself. Listen, God said, do an examination. As often as you do this, as often as you take of this bread and drink of this cup, examine yourselves. Don't live in defeat. Don't live in deception. I found this out. There's a there's a there's a cure to this. There is something we can do. If you will go and I would encourage you to do this. I would encourage everyone to do this for 30 days, for 30 days. Read the first letter, the first epistle of John. First John, not the Gospel of John, but First John, which is toward the end of your Bible. He he tells us John tells us why he writes this letter. And in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know. Say that with me. That ye may know. Say it with me. That ye may know that ye have eternal life. What is he saying? I want you to know. I want you to be sure. And guess what? If you go back and read 1 John 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, you will find this out. That over and over, he gives you tests to take. Is this in your life? Is this in your life? And, and then he says this. Then he says this. If it's not, you a liar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. He uses that word multiple times. Liar. Yeah. He's saying if you say you're saved and this is not in your life, you are a it's here in and, and listen the word "no the word "no is found twenty seven times. you reckon he's trying to make a point it's found twenty seven times in this little bitty short letter it's referenced over forty times what is he saying therefore. I mean, there's a lot of things here, but you could you could put them all, encompass them all into these four tests. Let's do an examination. Preacher, I don't want to. Then maybe you need to. Let's do an examination. Are these things in your life? I don't care. Another thing. Another thing. I need everybody's attention, right? Everybody, look at me. 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 Most of my life, when I've sat with people that were smarter than me and older than me, and, and and when somebody doubted their salvation, they would say, "Okay, let's go back to the, let's go back to the time or the place or the, wherever, you know what? That's not found in John. Not one single time does he tell you to be sure and to know go back to. No, not one single time does he reference the past." You know what he does over and over and over and over again? He says, what's going on right now? He's not saying, what did you do back then? What did you pray back then? What happened back then? Was there lightning flashing? Did the stars shine brighter? He didn't say none of that stuff. He said, what's going on right now? now? Isn't that amazing? Does that stand out to anybody? Because most of the time, it's okay. Well, what happened? Where was you at? What happened? Was it in a revival? What did you pray? How did you pray? None of that. He doesn't, he doesn't reference any of that to reassure people and to give them a test of their true salvation. He says, what's happening right now? Amen. Now watch, here's the first test. Here's the first test. And by the way, by the way, these tests are not my opinions. I'm gonna give you scripture for every one. So if you have, a, if you have a, a, a nasty email, you better have some verses beside it. <laughs> are y'all with me? First test to take. We find, And by the way, you hear this word too. Beside it, it's in your notes there, the word hereby. Hereby. It's over and over in the first letter of John. The first epistle there of John. Hereby, which means by this. You will know. Come on. You will know. In other words, if this is in your life, you'll know. You'll know you're truly saved by this. Okay? Now watch. Now watch. First, we have the sin test. The sin test. First John 1, it should all be in your notes there so you don't have to look it up. We can save some time. First, we have the sin test. 1 John 1, 5 and 6. This then is the message that we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, what? Say it with me. We lie lie and do not the truth. In other words, if we have a pattern of walking and living in sin, and we say that we have fellowship with God and we have a relationship with God, you are a? Look what it says. He adds on to that. 1 John 3, 6. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither know him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. In this, the children of God are manifest, or in other words, shown, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Now, before you get wigged out and think, oh my gosh, I hollered at my husband yesterday, I sinned. He is not saying that the person who is truly born again will never commit a sin. Every verse, now watch, watch what we are saying. In the passage... In the passage the verbs related to sin are all in the present tense indicating continuous habitual action. John is not referring to an occasional act of sin but to an established and continual pattern of sinful behavior. Believers will sometimes sin. Romans 7 what Paul say that which I do what I don't want to do that which I don't want to do I do. Oh wretched man that I he said sometimes I fail even willfully. But they will not sin habitually, persistently, as a way of life. You will not make the excuse, oh, we're all sinners, it doesn't matter what we do, we're all forgiven. A true born-again believer, when it comes to sin, they hate their sin. They despise their sin. They abhor their sin. They want to do everything in the world not to ever, ever sin. They don't get comfortable with it. They don't live in it. You don't stay in it. You can't. You can't. We have watered down the gospel so much that people claim to be saved, yet live in open wickedness and open defilement and disobedience to God and His Word, and they think they're okay. Paul, listen, John says if that's the case, you're lying. You're lying. Man, I, I looked up and people, people, oh, but look at David. He was a man after God's own heart. And look at the sin he committed. Yeah, but look at his conviction. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I copied down. Uh, Brother John, I copied down like four different passages where he said, my bones have waxed old. Oh, your hand was heavy. My moisture's dried up. He, he began to talk about a venereal disease. Yeah. He said, my loins stinketh. In other words, he went through hell on earth. Right. And he made it right. He said, gives thee and thee only have I sinned. Wash me with the hyssop. Purge me from mine iniquity. What did he do? He made it right. Yeah. Yeah. If you have no conviction of your sin, if you have no conviction of sin, I'm telling you, you don't belong to God. Yeah. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, whom he loveth, he chasteneth. And if you're without chastening, you're a bastard and not a son. If there is not a convicting, overwhelming feeling of brokenness and listen, a desire to make your sin right, you better check up. Oh, so-and-so saved. They prayed a prayer and wrote it down in the Bible back at 30 years ago, but they've lived like hell ever since. But hey, back then... John says, what's going on right now? Amen. It's a sin test. It's a huge test because that's what he started with first. He said, don't claim to be fellowship with God and walking in the darkness because God is light and in him is no darkness. I tell you this, I tell you this too. The closer I get to God, the more stuff bothers me. I'm talking about little bitty things. Little bitty things. The other day I was playing golf. The other day I was playing golf uh, uh, with Brother Johnny and we were on the last hole. It was dark. I mean, we was trying to hurry up and get done before it was dark. And we were tired and wore out and exhausted. And I'm driving the cart down the sidewalk and I look over to the left. I look over to the left and and somebody had left a water bottle. Just just Trash. Empty, empty water bottle come, probably fell out of their car or whatever. But they didn't pick, and I looked at that. And man, the Holy Spirit picked that up. Yes. I thought Holy Spirit, it's not mine. <laughs> I know y'all wouldn't ever think that. <laughs> I mean, it's like teenagers. I didn't do it. I didn't ask if you did it. I just said, pick it up. That's right. Is there a conviction? Has there been a change? Check up. There's a sin test. He said, is there a habitual, persistent life? Is it a way of life? He's not asking you, do you make mistakes? He's saying, is this a way of life? Is this a pattern for your life? And when you do make mistakes, do you make it right quickly? Number two. We see the sin test, number one, number two. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, we see the obedience test. The obedience test, 1 John 2, verse 3. And hereby, what do hereby mean? By this. By this, we do know that we know him. What's he saying? If this is in your life, you're in. Y'all see this? Hereby, by this, we do know that we know him. How? Say it with me. If we... hmm, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, uh-oh, he is a... Liar. And what? Truth ain't in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him... Verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know, by this know, we that we are in him. Verse John 3, 24. He gives you another one. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him. And he in him. And, what's our word? What does that mean? And by this we know that he what? By the spirit which he has given us. Preacher, what are you saying? There's an obedience test. Are you obeying his commands? So, Oh, but that's, that's the same as sin, right? Nope, nope, nope. This is, sin is not doing wrong. This one has to do with doing right. Now, I didn't throw the bottle down. But I was told to pick it up. Are you living a life of obedience to Christ? Obedience to the Holy Spirit. This is heavy, isn't it? He said, because by this you're going to know. He also says in the Gospels, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not... The things that I say. This is heavy. Are you obeying him? What does this go to? Let's, let's relate it to this. He said, my sheep, my sheep hear my voice and follow me. What does it say? They're obeying his voice. Are you living a life of obedience? There's an obedience test. Number three. Number three. We see a biggie. There's a love test. 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life. In other words, that we're saved. We're truly born again. How do we know this? How do we know this? Because we... Come on, everybody. Because we love, we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. In other words, he's not saved. Whosoever hateth his brother is a? Murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another. Why? For love is of God. And, Amen. come on, and... Everyone. How many of them? Everyone. everyone. If they're born again, everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is. God. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a. Liar. Have you noticed we've done seen that word three times? In other words, it doesn't matter what you say. It matters who you are. You can't hate people and claim to be saved. You can't hate black people. You can't hate Mexican people, Guatemalan people, Chinese people, or Russian people. You can't hate anybody. You can't hate Muslims. Now, I don't like what a lot of people do, but I love them, and I want them to meet Jesus. Amen. Yeah. And if you are living alive with hate in your heart, you don't know God. Amen. Because God is love. And if God is on the inside of you, and he is so big, it's going to be oozing out of you. My father was a bad guy, mean guy, terrible guy, prejudiced guy. And when he got saved, something changed. He couldn't explain it. He couldn't tell you how it happened. He didn't even know what happened. But he started feeling different than he felt before. He started loving people he never loved before. Hate went out and love came in. Do you love people? Do you love being around? And by the way, by the way, it, it even says this, that we should have more regard for the brethren. Yeah. Even those of the household of faith, do you love getting around God's people? If, I got I to gotta, I gotta ask you a question. If you never have a desire to be around God's people, why do you think you're going to go to heaven? That's all that's going to be there. I can tell you this, I'm closer to my saved brethren than some of my lost family members. I love them all. I want them all to get saved. I want all my family to get saved. I want them all to know Christ. I love them. Listen, is there a love in your heart? Can you say that you love everybody? Now, I'm not, trust me, everybody has issues and everybody has struggles in their life. Even with this, even with with certain topics and certain issues. But there is something that's in you. There's an overwhelming drive in you. Because it's God in you. If you don't have that, God ain't in you. Preacher, I don't like that. You're going to have to talk to John. Because I didn't write it. Amen? Amen? There's the sin test, the obedience test, the love test. Then we have the relationship test. First John chapter five. First John chapter five. Verse 11. And this is the record. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. This is so important. The reason I'm going to heaven is because of Jesus. The life that I now live is not my own. It's Jesus in me. It's his eternal life. The life that I have, the reason I have it is Jesus in me. He that hath... Now read it with me. I'm I'm just going to tell you. I'm just going to tell you scripture. Read it with me. He that hath the Son hath... And he that hath not the Son of God... It's black and white. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath hath not life. What does that mean? Do you have an ongoing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Now everybody look at me a minute. Everybody look at me a minute. Salvation is not about church attendance. Salvation is not about doing good deeds. Cuz you can't earn your way to heaven. Amen. Salvation is not religion. This is what people respond to me all the time. I asked one lady. I asked one lady, uh, uh, are you a Christian?" She said, "Yes, my, or, or, or she said, she didn't say yes." She said, "My daddy was a Pentecostal preacher." Listen, it doesn't matter who you were born to. It doesn't, none of this matters. Do you have Christ? Because salvation is not a religion, it is a relationship with a real person, and that person is Jesus Christ. Everybody knows what a relationship is. I have a relationship with my wife. I talk to her, she talks to me. We communicate, we fellowship. I go, she goes. I stay, she stays. We we, we have a relationship. And I want to ask you, do you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm not asking you, are you familiar with Him? I'm not asking if you know some stuff about Him. I'm asking, do you have a one-on-one personal relationship with Christ? Do you have Christ? Are you being conformed to the image of His Son? God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you have him, you're in. If you don't have him, you're out. And you know. You know. Does he talk to you on a regular basis? Does he convict you when you do wrong? Does he love on you when you hurt him? Listen, just because... The notes are through. Please listen. Please listen. So, yeah, I feel bad when I do wrong. You can have a conscience. I I used to to say, oh, if you're convicted when you do wrong, you're probably saved. But I I don't say that anymore. Because there there are good people with a conscience that feels bad when they do wrong. They'll run over another car before they run over Squirrel. You know, because they just, they're just kind-hearted. They're kind-hearted, and so they feel bad if they do wrong. But a, a, a guilty conscience is not the, the pricking, convicting of the Holy Ghost. I can, Brother John, say in my lost condition, I can, I can feel bad because I, I hurt your feelings. That's different than, than saying I feel convicted because I offended a holy God. It was because of you I felt bad, not because of God. Does that make sense? Do you have Christ? What is your desire? Do you desire to know him? Do you desire to follow him? Do you desire to submit to Him? I'm not saying you do that every single minute of every single day. You may slip, you may fall, but when you do, you want to get right back up and be obedient. I heard Dr. Adrian Rogers, he preached a message on this. And he used the illustration about the word keep, they that keep my commandments. He said this word was taken from the the, the early sailors, and and it was used in, in reference to keeping the stars. How many of y'all know they, they followed the stars to find their way around in the ocean? This is before GPS. Are y'all with me? And and it was referenced keeping the stars, following the stars. He said there would be times, there would be times that the boat would drift in a certain way to get out of alignment of the direction that they were going. But as soon as they saw that, they got right back in so as to keep the, God. he says, a true child of God, they may stray, That's right. they may slip up, yeah. but as soon as they do, That's right. That's right. I believe, I believe, I believe there are people who, who truly got saved and was never truly discipled. Didn't have a clear understanding. They can have issues in their life. But listen, guys, where are you at right now? John didn't say anything about the past. He says, What's evident in your life right now? What is showing in your life right now? Do you have a relationship with Christ? Listen, Do you deal with sin in your life? Are you making an effort to follow His commandments? Do you love people? You got to have all of them. Well, I'm good at that one, but them other three. You got to have them all. Listen, I promise you this. You don't have to leave here afraid. You don't have to leave here worried. Today can be the greatest day of your life. Amen. Right. Preacher, you just made me doubt. No, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I just told you how to be sure. Yeah. Now the rest is up to you. The rest is, can we fall? Yep, can we say, sl- and, and hey, I believe people can stray for a little bit. A little bit. I don't think 50 years and I don't think 40 years. The prodigal son slipped for a little bit. But the Bible says raise up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. What does that mean? He can't get away from it. He can't shake it. Because even in the hog pen, he'll be thinking about the father's house. Let's stand. Let's stand. Preacher, why did you do this? Why'd you do this? Why'd you preach this message? It's tough. Because I love you. And I want you to know. I want you to know. Can I, I'm going to tell you, because I don't really care what you think of Dr. Adrian Rogers, because I think he was an unbelievable man of God. He went through a time after his salvation for a while that he had no assurance. This is his own testimony. He said one day he pulled his car over and he says, God, I can't go on like this. He says, God, I got to be sure. I need to know. He said, I was doing everything I was supposed to do. And he said, he prayed. He said, God, if I'm not saved, save me. Now that was the opposite of what I did. He said, but God, whatever, I need assurance. He said, I'm not sure. This is Dr. Adrian Rogers. He said, I'm not sure if I got saved the first time or the second time. All I know is I'm saved now. And I'm not asking what happened in the past. I'm talking about right now. Right now. Because there is peace in knowing. God's people see you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for...